Welcome to church this morning. Uh, if we don't know each other, my name is James, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this is Heather. I'm one of the pastors here. <laughs> Not theologically, in case the superintendent's listening. The Whatever. <laughs> uh, but we uh, sometimes, well, all summer we've been doing this series on friendships and uh, the friendships that you need uh, to operate and to navigate an increasingly complex world. And uh, this is the last one, and I thought it'd be great if we could do this together and talk about it together. Uh, today's friend um, is the Holy Spirit. And when I talk about the Holy Spirit, it's usually um, very technical and theological and doctrinal and all this stuff because I get excited about the Trinity. And so during this sermon, I get one minute to do that. And uh, then Heather will actually explain it in a way that people actually care to understand. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes, I like to feel the Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> I love to talk about her. Yeah. I lost my feelings 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, so, but we've been talking about friendships all summer. And uh, friendships like, uh, like a, a true friend or a mentor or a protege who's coming after you. The butt kicker. Uh, yeah, butt kicker. Like that one. Uh, all sorts of friendships. And, uh, and they're great. And you need those kind of friends. The truth is, uh, though, when it comes down to it, is everybody fails at some point. And, and that's a comfortable thing to say. Like, everybody fails. Like, nobody's perfect. We're okay. But that, what that means is every one of your friends or every one of your relationships at some point will fail. Uh, they'll fail to uh, come through. They'll fail to uh, be true to you. They'll fail to uh, encourage you or fail to uh, encourage you in the right way or hold you accountable in the right way. Uh, your protege will fail to live up to your expectations. It just happens. And, and you'll fail other people, too. Um, when that happens, it's not okay. Like, I don't know anyone who, when their friends don't come through or when a relationship doesn't come through, they go, you know, nobody's perfect, right? Because then it's a failure uh, to you or a failure against you. Uh, that's a terrible feeling. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about expectations because we all set out those, we all put expectations on everyone, even when we're like, no, I, you know, no expectations. No one likes that feeling of being let down or of being the person who let someone else down. And so what we're talking about today is that the one thing that God wants us to get more than anything else is that he is always there and he's there through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we want to say, or we feel like God let us down, but really what we're saying is our expectations in the light of God and in light of who he is, most likely we had the wrong expectations. <laughs> so usually we're setting, you know, this bar up for God and God's smashed the bar. There's no bar and he's doing whatever he wants. But that feeling when someone lets us down most likely is because I thought one thing, I had set a standard for that person and they didn't, they didn't meet it. Even if the standard's right, like you yeah. can have proper expectations for someone and they will fail. But if you have proper expectations of God, he never fails. Right. Like when you didn't do the dishes, because the deal is I cook and you do the dishes, which is a right expectation. But when you don't, That's not in the it's okay. <laughs> you said I could do what I want. All right. So we'll take that back. 
The, uh, let me talk about the Holy Spirit for a minute. In case you're not familiar, we believe in a Trinitarian God, which means God is, uh, and this is one of the great mysteries of the faith, is that God is three and God is one at the same time, which doesn't make sense in a limited mindset. Uh, we can't understand how God can be one and three at the same time, but the Bible teaches this. The Bible never uses the word Trinity, uh, but it just kind of talks through the way it talks about God the Father, uh, God the Son, who's Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, who's referred to as the Holy Spirit, or if you grew up in a King James church, the Holy Ghost. Um, this is the Trinity, which operates uh, together as one God, yet the three, uh, which are three persons, but of the, like three different persons, people, but not human people, but the same substance. So if you have Jesus, uh, you have 100% of God. If you have God the Father, you have 100% of God. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have 100% of God, uh, which that falls apart because you never actually have. Like, God isn't yours to possess. But uh, it is an understanding in the Scripture all the way through, and I, I, we won't have time. It'll be very, very fun for only me uh, to go through all the different Scriptures, but you can see it right at the very beginning where uh, if you read about the creation narrative in the Bible, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are active and involved. Another really popular time is at Jesus' baptism, and God the Father, uh, God the Son, and God the Spirit all appear uh, individually, yet they're all treated uh, as divinity. And so when people say uh, in the Scripture, like, the Holy Spirit did this, it is understood that God is doing that. Like, the Holy Spirit is God. And it, a couple just, I still have probably 15 seconds. Some people lean into something, uh, uh, there's a popular faiths right now that lean into, like, there's a God up there, and then Jesus, uh, like, Mormonism teaches that Jesus and Satan are like brothers, uh, and, and that's an incorrect theology, because God, like, God explains his relationship between him and the Son to us as Father and Son. God actually isn't, like, the physical, God didn't create Jesus. Jesus has existed for all eternity. Uh, the other incorrect one sometimes is modalism, uh, which means God appears in different modes. Like sometimes he's Jesus, sometimes he's Holy Spirit, sometimes he's uh, God the Father. That's incorrect as well. They all have to exist for all eternity past and will exist for all eternity future. Meaning the Holy Spirit and Jesus, while he has a physical birth, never has a creative moment. Or Sorry, uh, he was never created. He has creative moments. But he was never, cre uh, never a creative moment was operated on him. That's the clunkiest theological statement yeah. ever, which ends my portion. <laughs> but that's why, for us regular people, we want to try to put God into our terms. And so we yeah. want to say it's like an egg where yeah. there's three parts, but it's really one. Or it's like the orange with three parts. And that drives but, me crazy. Right. Because when you take those things, up, yeah, when you take that apart, they each operate differently. They become different things. They're... The it, shell is not the yolk. This isn't in the script. It drives me crazy know, when people say they understand. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes, because it's beyond our understanding. Yeah, and that's what I actually like about it. It's true. Is that okay? I think that's okay. So if you're confused, you're experiencing God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like what you said about, we, we said we wanted this to be a little bit of a conversation. So there's going to be some back and forth, and it's not going to be exactly what's on our script. But... <laughs> I think I, we often mistake what God tells us when he, when he tries to describe himself to us. That's for our benefit. 
and he uses language for our understanding, but it's okay to have things about God that we can't explain. That's what makes him God. If we could explain it, we would be God. Like and a we God, create, small g. We talked about this. I didn't put it in the script. Mm-hmm. But that's how we create God in our own image. Yes. And we also create the Holy Spirit in our own image. Right. Because we want the Holy Spirit to operate in a particular way. Uh, no matter what. Like different traditions want the Holy Spirit to operate in different ways. The hardcore reform tradition wants him to be all about conviction, which he is. Mm-hmm. The charismatic tradition wants him to be all about emotion. an emotional experience. Emotion experience, yeah. Which that's also true, but it's not. All there is. Yeah. Yeah. And or we want the Holy Spirit to be about judgment or just about one thing. And yeah. so in my our favorite thing. I want him to, just like God. I want God to be just like my favorite. You know what I mean? I like the aggressive Jesus. Right. When Jesus is caring, I just skip those pages. Gentle Jesus. Yeah. Right. It was probably just a weak moment. <laughs> like when he turned water to wine. He was very young, new to ministry. He wouldn't do that. It does he was not a fit in, in the box. No, Jesus, are so Jesus would probably say, "I shouldn't have done that." <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit of heresy. That, yeah. Okay. okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's get back on track. All right. So we want to talk a little bit about what the Holy Spirit does because I think. That's probably the most confusing thing for most people or the hardest thing to kind of grasp or to just say, this is what the Holy Spirit does. We can say, um, you know, the Holy Spirit is God and the whole, Jesus left the Holy Spirit here on earth. Okay, that's pretty clear. I can understand that. But what exactly does the Holy Spirit do and how does he interact with us and, and what's his... Um, the way he moves here on earth. And so we have five ways that we're going to go over. And I think the first one, can I have the first verse up there? All right. I was going to put that last and I didn't. So do you want to talk about this one? Oh, yeah. Is that the verse? Mm-hmm. Okay. We were confused as to whether this should be first or last because this is an overarching and the other four are more specific. Yeah, is that this, correct? yeah, everything encompasses this one. And so we were, yeah, we were going back and forth on whether we should put that first or put it last. Here's so. the verse. This is Romans 8, 5, written by the Apostle Paul in the very, very early church. He wrote most of the New Testament because he was the leader of the very, very early church after Jesus, after the apostles. Uh, and it says, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. And so he uses the word flesh to refer to like earthly um, things. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. Uh, and so there is this interaction that happens here between a person and their, um, we, okay, I'm going to use your word, their partnership with the Holy Spirit, um, where the Holy Spirit is able to work in accordance with God's pleasure or displeasure. Uh, I use words like faith and obedience and repentance. If you are... Uh, if you have a high level of faith, a high level of obedience, a high level of repentance, the Holy Spirit is able to operate at a high level in your life. If you do not, the Holy Spirit does not because God is either pleased or, no, God is either happy or unhappy uh, with those things. So the the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit, I'm going to steal your words again, the Holy Spirit won't force himself into your life or force God's presence into your life if you don't want it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that's important for you to understand. Like, this isn't talking about salvation. Yeah. 
This is talking about what the Holy Spirit does in our life and how much the Holy Spirit can act in us and move in us depends on our faithfulness, our obedience, and what was the other one? I say repentance. Repentance. So depending on how that's working in our life is how the Holy Spirit can work in our lives. And that's why I like to use the word partnership because um, it really is us saying, yes, God, I want your presence. I want the Holy Spirit in my life. And I want it, you to be active that way inside of me or through me. And so that's why I like when I, then it doesn't just become about me doing things. It really is the Holy Spirit doing it in me and helping me to accomplish what God wants to do through me. And so that takes us to the other ways the Holy Spirit works in us. And so the next verse is Acts 1 verse 8. And this is traditionally called the Pentecost in church tradition. And so this is when the Holy Spirit um, was released in all of us. And so it says, um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this is right before Jesus goes back to heaven. He's resurrected from the dead. He's walking with his followers. And he's getting ready to return to heaven or return to the Father. And so he's saying, uh, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And then when you receive the Holy Spirit, then you can be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's the calling I'm putting on you, or here's the direction I want your life to take. But you're going to do that with the Holy Spirit, not on your own. So the second way the Holy Spirit works in us is that the Holy Spirit empowers us. Um, What we need to do, everything we need to do to follow God the way he wants us to, we can do through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that is the power, the wonder-working power. <laughs> um, you know, he, I like to say he's the activating agent, and I like using words like that because I do tend, the reason I lead worship is because I tend to feel more. And so I like those words because it, it gives me a visual that, you know, that push that I need, that, that extra thing I need in order to follow God truly the way he wants us to follow him comes when we partner with and we let the Holy Spirit empower us. And so then the next thing the Holy Spirit does is he purifies us. And we're going to go back to Romans for this. And it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I should have looked at this instead. (laughs) For if you live according to the flesh. So again, those, those are the earthly desires. Those are the things, you know, when we have our eyes focused on ourself. And when we're looking at what we want, how, how we feel, we always want to feel good about something. We always want to know we're doing the right thing. We always, those are the worldly desires, the flesh. That's your flesh speaking. That's just the natural humanity. But we can put that to death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So really the only way to conquer that, the only way to be truly purified, um, or we like to call it sanctification, that's one of your favorite words. So we become more like Christ. We become more holy um, with the Holy Spirit. It's not something we can do by ourselves. You know, God didn't say, here's all the things I want you to do, and you're on your own. Um, The Holy Spirit is in all of this. And I think that's a real key thing as we mature as Christians that we start to understand it's less about my wants, less about my flesh, and more about what the Holy Spirit's moving or how he's moving in me. Um, 
So the next thing is the Holy Spirit reveals. And this is Acts 2. Verses 2 to 4 says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. The Bible often talks about the Holy Spirit being a the wind, a, a gush of wind. We also see him being fire. The dove came down from heaven on Jesus. So the Holy Spirit really takes on earthly physicalities or earthly things that we can understand um, so we can see the presence of God or how it manifests, how it presents itself to us. The Holy Spirit reveals God's presence in a situation. And that's oftentimes why we can be in here singing, and all of a sudden you, get, you just get that feeling, and you're just like, wow. Like, that's when the Holy Spirit has entered into our worship. And our worship has become not just us going through the motions or just us singing a song, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit has revealed God's presence here or what God's doing here or um, even what God's doing individually in us. And so then the last one, and I really love this. We talked a lot about this yesterday, and it really kind of opened my eyes to a new take and on how the Holy Spirit unifies us. So the Holy Spirit brings unity. And this is also in Acts 2. And verses 16 to 18 say this. And this is Peter talking. And this is when he gives his big sermon. So this would be right after. Sermon number one. This is sermon number one. All right. In the history of the church. Thank you. I appreciate that. This is after the Holy Spirit has come upon him. And everyone could hear in their own language what he was saying. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So he's going to go back to uh, Old Testament prophet. And this is what was spoken about what was to come. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Which is preaching, right? Mostly. Mostly. Speaking words of God, speaking words that God gives you. So don't think of that as being future. Don't think, you know, this is now. The Holy Spirit has been released. He's come upon all of us, and he unifies all of us. God unifies us through the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, The Holy Spirit, we see the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament, but oftentimes the Holy Spirit comes upon someone. So like um, the story of Samson, when he had his strength, the Holy Spirit came upon him to make him strong. Um, The Holy Spirit would come upon someone in battle. The Holy Spirit came upon Moses, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. So the Holy Spirit showed up in different places in Old Testament times to do um, the work of God. After Jesus... The Holy Spirit was released to be here in all of us all the time. Um, As followers of Jesus, we all have the Holy Spirit all the time, and that's what unifies us and makes us one. So it's not they have the Holy Spirit, they have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. It's all of us, and that brings us together as children of God or as the people of God. So I love that idea that, you know, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, God is now in you. 
It's not just you don't go to a place anymore. There's no more going to that spot. There's no more going to that temple. All the time is God's presence in you. So how does that work itself out in your life is kind of the next step. In John 14, Jesus actually talks about the Holy Spirit. We'll put this on the screen as well. Um, Jesus says this, and he describes the Holy Spirit using the word advocate, other like if you grew up in church, sometimes the Bible says comforter. Um, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus talking, whom the Father will send in my name, uh, Trinitarian theology right there, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Uh, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Uh, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. So there's a a reference Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit uh, being given to the people after Jesus leaves, which creates an awkwardness because all the disciples wanted Jesus to stay. We all want Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I need to leave because the Holy Spirit's coming after me. It's going to be better. Like, I need to go. And it's good for you that I go. But uh, beyond that practical awkwardness, Jesus gives a distinct instruction to people uh, not to be troubled and not to be afraid. Uh, and there's some in Christian circles, I think, that are not troubled and not afraid, um, mainly because they keep their head in the sand uh, or they keep themselves very uh, isolated, right? Like you have... Bubble. Yeah. You, have, you know, you've got Christian radio and your Christian books and your uh, Christian butcher and you drink Christian milk from a Christian cow, right? Like there's... <laughs> you're very much... I don't know what's happening outside of my Christian bubble, uh, if you follow the Babylon Bee, their advert, they had a, that's a fake Christian news site. It's fantastic if you're cynical. Uh, it feeds into all the worst parts of you. Um, but they, they're selling now a, uh, a Christian bubble you can put your kids in uh, that will keep them safe and protected. But um, Not for real, so please don't actually look hoping to get that. But there's this uh, feeling that I can... Uh, have peace in the world if I ignore all the bad things, uh, which is functional, but it's not biblical uh, because the actual comfort that the Holy Spirit is supposed to bring you uh, depends on discomfort in the first place. And so Christians biblically should be on the front lines of life and ministry uh, so, that, so that they can experience the working of the Holy Spirit in miraculous ways in their life so that you have people who are experiencing the turbulence that we're experiencing currently. And I would say turbulent is a good word uh, for our current culture in a lot of different ways. And uh, there are people who are just completely freaked out by that, uh, who are having a difficult time managing, right? Is that fair to say? Who are saying things on social media that they will regret later. and then there are other people who somehow are remaining calm in that. Mm-hmm. Not in a dismissive way, but in a, yeah, things are terrible and I'm okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that the temptation is to surround ourselves with only the good. And then sure. that's how we think, oh, then that's how I have peace. If I only look at the positive, I only look at what's good and I... I don't look at anything else, then I feel safe and I feel comfortable. So then I'm good. When the Bible is telling us, when God is telling us, you know, go where the trouble is, go where it's messy, be with 
those who are hurting. Like, that's the example Jesus left for us, too. He didn't go where it was safe and where it was comfortable. He went into the, the places where people weren't loved, where people didn't know God, where people right. weren't safe. And he brought safety there, really, right? Like, he, his, he brought the presence of God there, and that's what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. And, and sometimes we want to say, oh, I don't, I don't feel God's presence. I don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I would, most, I would say, how comfortable is your life? Right. Because if you surrounded yourself with safety, well, you're good. You don't need God's presence. <laughs> you don't need that comforter. The comforter is not the, um, I think when we think comforter, we want the person that's going to pat us on the back. And we want the actual comforter, a big, fluffy, white, down-filled blanket that's going to surround me and keep me safe and warm and comfortable. And, you know, the comforter of the Holy, the comfort of the Holy Spirit is when you're in this I am right there with you. I have your back all the time. I never fail. I'm not a friend that's going to let you down. I'm not going to let you down the way the world does. I'm not, you know, I don't sleep. I don't eat. I don't rest. I'm always here, and I've always got your back. And so no matter what's going on around us, you know, we always have that foundation and that truth to go back to. So I think it's more we don't need to be panicked. We already know the ending. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't make it. It doesn't make it feel better, but it should give us, it should be the empowering part that lets us go out as witnesses to the ends of the earth. I think the word hope has been taken and means something political to a lot of people, right? Because Obama used the word hope. Mm-hmm. And, and so people either love that word or hate that word. Uh, but it's a biblical word first when Jesus said, or sorry, well, the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul that these three remains faith, hope, and love. Mm-hmm. And that having hope is, to me, a radical evidence of the Holy Spirit's existence in your life. When people are like, ah, oh, this is all going to hell, and you're like, I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. You know? And even if it does, I'm good with that. You know, there's the, mm, sorry, I'm leaning into politics in my mind. Stop. The, uh, <laughs> When people want to reach back and hold on to something in the past, to me it just reeks of a, of a lack of faith in God or a lack of hope in God's work when they're like, we need to hold on or not move forward or go back to the culture that we had back there, even though there's good things back there. It, like, I don't think that's bad back there in the past, but it, it's not um, the panacea. Like, it's not the thing. What is that? Okay. Uh, uh, you all are rethinking that <laughs> God isn't more powerful in the 19 whatevers than he is now okay. you know like the Christianity had a chaplain status in our culture formerly and now Christianity is antagonist like the culture is antagonistic towards Christianity which like that's just true mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that it was better for us then than it is now right. because we still have the full measure of God Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm off script. You transitioned really well into the Isaiah passage, and then I went off script. Uh, this is from Isaiah, and this is our last scripture of the day. Uh, and we could obviously talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Um, but this is uh, prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was here. And, uh, but it's a prophecy about the future uh, and the redemption that Jesus brings. And this is what it says. 
But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. So what we want to talk about is how when we have the Holy Spirit, there's kind of three marks that it leaves on our lives, that God leaves on our lives through the Holy Spirit. And that's confidence, humility, and courage. And the way that plays out, we, want it, we see this happening in this verse. And so if you look at, um, in verse 1, it says, But now, this is what the Lord said, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. And those are the children of God, and that's who we are. So he who created us and he who formed us, that's where our confidence comes from. And often we're looking for our confidence coming from outside, we're looking at the people around us. We're looking at our circumstances, um, our education, our jobs, like those things. We have confidence in that. And God is saying, your confidence comes from me. I'm the one who created you. I formed you. And that's where you have confidence. It's not in the things that fade away, right? It's not even as great as those other friends are, as great, as much as you need um, the editor and the butt kicker and the back cover, as much as you need those those people will also let you down. Your confidence can't be found in those people. Your confidence comes through the Holy Spirit because God has said, I created you and I formed you. Uh, so the second part is humility. And for Jesus, humility is the only path to uh, exaltation. Like Jesus had to be radically humbled before he was lifted up. And so as Christians, we follow that same path with this, which this talks about. Like you walk through uh, when he says pass through the waters, you might think that's refreshing, but for their culture, like the undersea and the ocean was, a, was very confusing and scary. Uh, on, once you were underwater, it was just gone, um, but they didn't know what was down there. Uh, so the pass through confusion and danger and the fire, and when you actually walk through, uh, things won't set you ablaze. There's a humility there that I can, that, that life will overwhelm me, but I can walk through that. But the the really the reality is that life will overwhelm me. Like you will face things that you can't handle, and that's intentional uh, because the Holy Spirit's working in your life. So the last thing is courage, and lots of times we look at someone who has courage and we say, you know, they have no fear; they just walk into danger. And uh, you know, God is saying to us, "I've left the Holy Spirit with you." The Holy Spirit is in you. My presence is with you always. And that is where our courage comes from. Again, we want to we ignore fear. We want to say, you know, I can do this. I'm brave. And, you know, God knows who we really are. And he knows we're going to be afraid. He knows things are going to be hard. He knows circumstances. Just like James said, the water, there's going to be times when it overwhelms you. There's going to be times when you walk through fire. Uh, but... The courage comes from that the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is always with us in those times. And so that's how we walk through fire, is that we know we're not alone. We know we're doing that with the power of God lives in us through the Holy Spirit. So we want to encourage you um, 
as far as like what what do you do with this? Like we've talked about this, but what do you do with this? Like we're gonna sing, should you feel more uh, or something like it? But there, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, but the uh, I put in the bulletin or in their program a couple of next steps that I think are really uh, practical for you. The Bible teaches clearly that the Holy Spirit teaches you all things. Um, it means if you if you learn anything by studying the Bible or you ever learn anything from a teaching that's given in this church. Uh, it's because the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. I've said really, really smart thing to people, smart things, I judge them to be smart, uh, to people who just cannot get it. Because to understand spiritual things, there has to be a spiritual movement of the Holy Spirit. And so there are people who you can explain the gospel to in clear detail, and they won't be able to respond to the hope and love of Jesus because the Holy Spirit hasn't done that work in them, or they've resisted the Holy Spirit, or there's... Uh, some complication there. Uh, so, But the Holy Spirit is taught to be the teacher. And so praying to the Holy Spirit and saying, here's where I think I need to grow or here's what I need to learn about God, and actually like praying to the Holy Spirit, hey, teach me these things, show me these things, please. Uh, that's actually like a valid and encouraged by Scripture prayer. And so we wanted to encourage you to do that. The other thing that I would encourage you to do, okay, the, Heather's gonna, Heather does everything, so she's going to sing. It was up in the air. Like, I could have ended the service. Like, I can play the guitar really, really well. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to do everything, but Heather can. I could not play the guitar at all. It's hilarious. Uh, these guys practice. Uh, I'm the Allen Iverson of music. <laughs> the, um, the last thing that we want to encourage you to do, though, is create some kind of a reminder of the Holy Spirit. I think... It's really easy to focus on God because God's everywhere, and it's easy to focus on Jesus. Everybody likes Jesus because he's a good story character, uh, but the Holy Spirit uh, is a bit harder to understand or a bit harder to know where uh, the Holy Spirit is working or what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so creating a reminder for yourself is actually something that's uh, really helpful. And some people use jewelry or tattoos, or some people would just use a... Uh, like memorize some scripture or something like that or create a little uh, reminder on your bathroom mirror or on the dashboard of your car just that the Holy Spirit is teaching you and the Holy Spirit is with you and that to ignore that is to ignore part of the full measure of God that God wants to give you. And so those are kind of the steps that we really want you to take. And for real, it would make, you will find yourself growing spiritually if you do those things. Those aren't just like tack-ons to the end so this is practical. Really, we... We actually wrote those things down first and then built what we wanted to talk about backwards from that. And that's actually really important for you. So let me pray for us in that way, and then we will uh, worship God together. Uh, we will worship the Holy Spirit together. Uh, Spirit of God, we pray to you and ask that you would speak to us, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would empower us, uh, that you would unify us and purify us um, in the way that only you can, that through uh, the work of the Holy Spirit that we as individuals and we as a church would grow uh, in you and grow through you uh, in order that we might do the great things that Jesus promised would come uh, by your Spirit. May the Holy Spirit be active in each one of our lives, but also active in us as a community. Uh, by your name we pray. Amen.